The second quarter was two-pronged. It had an effect both for the Bucks and for the Sun. Quoting Jerry Seinfeld, you believe this will have a two-pronged effect. We're talking about the roommate switch, right? Great episode. I got it! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Are you going to watch the MLB All-Star Game tonight? You going to watch? Really? Are you you sure about that? I I asked, and I'm skeptical, assuming you're listening somewhere and answering, saying, yeah, Grant, of course I'm going to watch. Are you really, though? Like, are you, are you actually going to sit down and watch it at least more than for five minutes? Hey, here's why I ask. Because we always talk about All-Star Games. The Pro Bowl stinks. The NBA All-Star Game is fun if you want it to be but I think most fans see it as a waste of time and if you see it as a waste of time I'm not going to hate on you for that it's, it's kind of dumb baseball is the one all-star game where I think most sports fans believe it to be a somewhat normal game with a shred of integrity we're like yeah baseball is the one true all-star game that's the one I'll watch and then no one watches like I I tell myself this every year Oh, the All-Star Games on Tuesday night. Can't wait to watch. And then when I'm presented with the first option of doing literally anything else, I'll take it. Like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get home. Oh, I can't wait to settle in and watch the game. And then I'll think, ah, you know what? The, the uh, lawn needs to be mowed. And I'll go do that. Like, ah, I actually, I got I to gotta do some laundry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shampoo the carpets upstairs. Like, I always tell myself I'm going to watch. The, the spirit is always there. It's just I always flake out for if anything else, anything else. It's like, you know what? I I think I need to shampoo the carpet. And while we're at it, I, I think I got to weed the entire flower bed in the backyard. Like, I'll just find other things to do. I, I know that I say I'm going to watch it. I think I'm going to watch it. I'd be surprised if I watched more than like an inning tonight. I'll be honest, probably won't watch most of it just because it's an all-star game. Sorry. Sorry. The spirit is always there. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak probably go do something that's also a complete waste of time. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. I hope you've had a terrific day so far. Thank you for being here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Talking a lot about the Bucks tonight, as we have been doing, well, really throughout this entire playoff run, but especially now that they're in the finals. Got a couple of things I want to get off my chest about the Bucks. Some more details about the DeAndre Ayton thing. DeAndre Ayton has sneaky become the most important player in this series. Not the best player, I'd say I'd say there's a whole myriad of players better than DeAndre Ayton, starting with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. One might even argue Mikhail Bridges. One would certainly argue Giannis. You could also argue Holiday or Middleton. He's certainly not the best player in the series, but in some weird, strange, unexpected twist of fate, he's become the most important. And we got to do a little bit of homework on how he impacts the series and how he might serve as the last line of defense between Giannis rampaging over the Suns for the next couple of games and leaving Milwaukee to a final. So we're going to talk about that coming up in a little bit. I have also called for reinforcements big time today. We always do two guests on Tuesdays. I don't know why it works out. It has such a nice ring. Two guests Tuesdays, two for Tuesdays. It's not my intention. It just kind of works out that way. I don't want to make it a thing because then it's expected every week and it's something that I have to like plan for. And I'm not about creating obligations for myself. It just works out conveniently. Two guests today. Bart Winkler, our friend from the fan, will join us at 435. He has been Mr. Milwaukee, passionate Bucks guy, take shirt off after games guy. And I want to talk a lot about the Bucks with him, not just in an X's and O's sense, but what it means for that city and what it means for those in Milwaukee. Because I think Milwaukee 
has a special ownership over the Bucks in the way that Green Bay really doesn't for the Packers and Milwaukee doesn't have for the Brewers. Those teams are embraced by and large by the entire state. The Bucks, yes and no. I think they probably have a little bit more of an intimate connection to the city in which they play. So I want an intimate voice to speak to speak on that. That's Bart Winkler coming up at 435. David Gasper reviewing the brew will join us at 535. And we're not going to do the same song and dance today. Normally I have Gasper on and I say, how about that pitcher? He's been great. Oh my goodness, that outfielder, he's killing it. Hey, what's up with that infielder? Why can't they hit the ball? And the bullpen, what do we think? And then, hey, have a good one. Talk to you next week. And we shake hands, although we're on the phone. Say, hey, take care. And we say goodbye. Not what we're going to do today. Brewers had their draft. David, he is huge into the draft. He knows all these prospects. So I think we're going to do the requisite amount of conversing about the draft. Like, hey, what do we need to know? What can you spare us? Like, hey, if we want to know more, we can learn more. But just give us the the nitty-gritty. I want to talk about the All-Star game. We could talk about Shohei Otani and what Stephen A. Smith said yesterday. So he is not going to be our Brewers guy today as much as he is going to be Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal, just a baseball voice. And we're going to have a fun back and forth about everything going on in baseball not just the Brewers, although they do have a good handful of all-stars, so we'll naturally talk about that. That's coming up in an hour and a half. You're welcome to join. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. Schmidt on the north side, you can set your watch to a text at 405 uh, every day. He said, you should play the PJ and Pat press conference, 22-second video on Twitter posted by the Bucks. Here's the thing, Schmidt. I, I, I can't screen that. We're on the air, Okay which I guess I'm the one reading the text on the air, so maybe I'm the idiot, not you, Schmidt. I will check that out over the commercial break, and if I find it to be relevant and entertaining, we'll get to that. Schmidt, I appreciate the content. Thank you for sending it my way on the talking text line, 608-796-2558. I really struggled today to decide what I want to lead the show with tonight. I, I really I put a lot of pride into the lead at 4.05 or at 5.05 when you tune in. What's the topic? What's going on? What does Grant have to say about the issue of the day? It's kind of the same in news talk, right? Like if you like watching Hannity or you like watching, I don't know who's on CNN. I try to be bipartisan here. Don Lemon or just whoever, right? You tune in at 9 p.m. Well, Obama today, will you believe it, right? Like there's always that story, right? Just react to whatever's going on. It's not really that story today. Struggle to figure out what I want to lead the show with because we have a bunch of these small topics that in a small conversation, are very interesting. They're side dishes. They're not main courses, right? Like the Olympic team lost last night again. They lost to Nigeria. Now they've lost to Australia. That's interesting. They crack a joke about that or two. Oh, Kevin Love, he sucks. But that's not a 20-minute thing. Major League draft, interesting, but I'm not an expert. We're going to do that with Gasper anyway, so I don't want to be repetitive here. Stephen A. Smith, what he said about Shohei Otani and then the requisite apology today, and now Passon's going on the offensive, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this whole apology and response thing. I don't really care. I guess the Euro finals on Sunday, Italy beating England. None of those do it for me. Give me something fat. Give me something robust. Something we can really sink our teeth into. I find all these topics mildly interesting, but none of them are real barn burners. So I said, you know what? Screw topicality. I know they didn't play last night, but I want to start with the Bucks. And if you're sick of the NBA talk, hold up. Stay there. Because I, I think this will interest you because I'm going to bring the Packers and the Brewers into this. Well, this is Kind of something a little different. I want to talk about Giannis and the Bucks and whether or not winning the finals might be their destiny. And I know that sounds so corny and cringy, and I thought about it. I just couldn't come up with a better way to set this up and phrase this. Talk about Giannis, the Bucks, and whether or not the 2021 NBA Finals, whether it's their destiny or not. 
I know that's corny, but I, I think that's the best way to put it. I started thinking about this yesterday because during Bill Michaels' show, Ebo and Ben, producer Ben, are filling in. They're doing a heck of a job. I saw one of their topics as a Twitter poll, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. We can talk about that. The question, who is the better quarterback heading into 2021, Graham Mertz or Jack Cohen? No, that, <laughs> that was today. I don't want to – I don't care. Although, producer Ben today, did he accidentally become anti-Graham Mertz guy? I think he might have. That's that's t- that's tough. That's what I heard. Me as an unreasonable sports radio listener, Ben. I think I I think you're a Graham Mertz hater after what I after what I heard today. No, that's not the Twitter poll I want to talk about. I want to talk about the poll that he posted yesterday. Has Giannis overtaken Aaron Rodgers as the king of Wisconsin sports? Fifty five percent of people say yes. Forty five percent of people say no. So it's pretty close, but it's not identical. Giannis has about a 10 percentage point lead. That's that's not negligible. That's substantial. That's worthwhile. We can talk about that. The results say yes. Giannis has, at least to this poll, and this is a show on our network. This is the premier show on our network, so I'm going to take this as gospel, and Ben's poll is exactly indicative of how everyone feels, not just the 589 votes that were cast, right? Which I think is a little bit of sequencing. I think it's a little bit of recency bias, which I don't care. Sports are all about recency bias. Recency bias isn't wrong in sports that's how we operate I think that's just it would be unrealistic to to think otherwise honestly I saw this poll question and I saw the results and I thought has Giannis overtaken Aaron Rodgers as the king of Wisconsin sports yeah he has and in fact I actually thought he did it two years ago in 2020 what happened during the football season really helped Aaron Rodgers now then what happened early in 2021 he got all upset and he's in Hawaii and he wants a trade okay well that that dinged Maybe whatever progress, he, he closed the gap a little bit on Giannis, and then whatever he did this spring, maybe maybe hurt. I think Giannis took over as the king of Wisconsin sports or our favorite superstar, favorite MVP, however you want to phrase it. I think he took over in 2018. Think about it. 2018, Giannis just wins his first MVP of two so far. He arrived on a global stage. He's a global superstar. And he leads the Bucks to a one seed into the Eastern Conference Finals where they were up 2-0, and then Toronto just got him. Toronto got him. But Giannis arrives, wins the awards, the the wins are on paper, deep playoff run, deepest in almost 20 years for the Bucs. Giannis arrived. And it was in that same year, 2018, that Aaron Rodgers lost it home to Josh Rosen in the Arizona Cardinals. Mike McCarthy is fired. So we get the Joe Philbin game where he uses two challenges in like the first 40 seconds. I was at that game. It's the last Packer game I think I've been at. Have I been to one since? I don't think so. That was the last game I was at, the Joe Philbin game. Fantastic sports theater. The team goes 6-9-1, and one, and they miss the playoffs. And they lose games to, oh, they lose back-to-back games at the Rams and the Patriots. They do beat the Dolphins. Shout out to them. I don't remember that game at all. Whoa, they beat the Dolphins 31-12. to I don't remember that game. But then they lose at Seattle, at Minnesota. That was the Ted Thompson mouth open game. The Arizona Cardinals, they lose at home. Then they beat the Falcons, lose at the Bears. That was an ugly game. They beat the Jets in overtime, remember that? And then in maybe the worst football game I've ever watched, they get shut out and beat in Detroit by the Lions 31-0 to in the annual Week 17 game in Detroit. Thank God the schedule makers have kept up that tradition because it's just electric TV every every single year. God, I hate that they do that every, every year. 2018 was an ugly mess for Aaron Rodgers, for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers had his 11th best season completion percentage-wise, and that's excluding 2007, where he didn't really complete enough passes for a, a good sample size. So bottom half of his career 
in completion percentage. He only threw 25 touchdowns. His plays dropping off. Statistically, we can see it on the field. There's a little bit of aggression. There was also that story dropped by Tyler Dunn in Bleacher Report that season about Mike McCarthy getting massages and Aaron Rodgers doing this and that. And it was, it was just a mess. And at this time, Giannis is on the rise. He's just getting started. And Aaron Rodgers seemingly is, is crumbling and the Packers might be on their way down. Now, they've made a couple of NFC Championship games since, but of course they make the NFC Championship game and they lose. That's, that's just what they do. I thought Giannis took over in 2018. Giannis also has a personal advantage, I think, relative to our other stars. And for the sake of this conversation, I actually want to use Braun, not Yelich, for our Brewers star. Because he was a star longer. He won MVPs, right? The long hair was iconic. There were a couple of deep playoff runs. And maybe one day Yelich will hopefully start hitting home runs again. And we can talk about him in this context. But I think Giannis has a personal advantage relative to other stars. I love Aaron Rodgers. I loved him more a few months ago before all this started. But I get why some people wouldn't like him. Let's let's rewind a couple of months. So before any of this drama starts, right, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers guy. I'll defend him. But I get why others maybe wouldn't like him. He's California cool, whatever that means. I'm not sure what that entails, but that's always what we say. He doesn't talk to his family. He's passive aggressive. His body language isn't always there. And unlike Brady, he's not super lucky, which we hold against him for whatever reason. I get it, okay? I get the criticism of Aaron Rodgers. I love Ryan Braun, but hey, the man used steroids and then lied about it. Okay, if you're going to rip Ryan Braun, I, I get it. Okay, I understand. Now, he's my guy on my team. I had a t-shirt jersey when I was little. He was the face of the Brewers franchise, basically my entire Brewers fandom until he retired. I think he'll come back this year, though. Right? I, I get why you would not like him. What could you possibly rip Giannis for? Go ahead. Try. Like, he spends too much time with his girlfriend and his son. That's what David Minone always says. got to get in the gym and quit making babies. Bold. Bold from David Minone. David Minone is a, a, you know, he's all business, though. He doesn't have time for romance. He's like me. We're lone wolves, right, Dave? Yeah. Unlike Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Braun, there aren't really sticking points with Giannis. He could run for office. He'd be a politician. There'd be nothing. There'd be nothing to get on him. And that's why it makes me so happy to see him succeed. That's why I'm hoping that this finals becomes the Giannis series. And I think it might become the Giannis series for a few different reasons. And I want to talk about those reasons coming up next. Now, I'm hoping I'm going to try to speak this into existence. I'm definitely thinking optimistically. Maybe the Suns show up angry in game four and smash the Bucks and the series is essentially over. That could happen as well. But that would be a really big bummer of a show. So I want to talk about the possibilities and the factors in this becoming what could be known years from now as the Giannis series, where he puts together a Shaq or a LeBron or a Kareem or a Wilt type overpowering, dominant, physically impressive finals performance. I'm hoping that's the case. And I have some reasons, some factors, and and some hopes that I want to share with you coming up next. Bart Winkler will join us at 435. Good friend of show from Fan in Milwaukee to talk more Bucks, kind of as more of a fan. Uh, more of a, what it means for the city, but we'll get into some X's and O's too. I'm going to try to fight him over Coach Bud because we always agree. So I think we need to we need to have beef over something. So I'm going to do my best to create some conflict today with Bart coming up at 435. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. This is a Pat Connaughton show. Drives me nuts. 
when Bucks fans just blame Pat Connaughton for everything that's ever gone wrong with this team. Pat Connaughton's been great. They don't get past the Nets without Pat Connaughton, let alone into the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone now have a chance to tie it up tomorrow night in Game 4. And Schmidt on the north side, who texts in out of the jump, 608-796-2558, sends me a Twitter clip and is like, play this on the show. And I'm like, Schmidt, I can't. Don't send this to me in the middle of the segment. Okay, well, it's a pro pack clip. So Schmidt, a producer Schmidt on the north side, essentially today is helping me out. This is P.J. Tucker talking about how we need guys on our team like Pat Connaughton. I love Pat. He helps our team. So I think Schmidt just spreading the good word and spreading the truth uh, that Pat Connaughton is a good player. And Schmidt, I agree with that, so therefore I will play your clip on the air. I just love Pat. Pat is one of those guys. You just got it. Like, you got to have guys like that on your team. He loves coffee, too, like me, so... Yeah, we like we like coffee. It's not just coffee; it's food. It's all sorts of things. You know, he's got food places in different cities that he's used to because he's been around longer than me. I got a few food spots here that I shared with him that he's loved. He's just a great guy. He's a great friend. He's a great teammate. What a that started so normal and then went to such a weird place. PJ's like, yeah, you need guys like that on your team. We love Pat. He's like, well, I I have food spots that I know, and he's got spots that he knows. So it's just a really natural connection. What the hell? <laughs> Thank you for sending that to me, though, Schmidt. 608-796-2558. Bart Winkler, longtime friend of the show, dating all the way back to when the show started in 2018. 2018, the year in question, I argue that that's when Giannis took over as the favorite superstar in the state, not Aaron Rodgers. Bart took over as a guest on the show in the same year, so I guess we're coming together in all sorts of different ways. He'll join us in about 10 minutes. I want this to be the Giannis series. I want us to look back and think, Giannis won that finals. He took over. It was his moment on the big stage. He realized his potential, and he would not be denied. And I think this series has that potential. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not predicting it. You, you know, I don't, I don't really do predictions on the show. And when I do, like, I make it abundantly clear, like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of talking out of my butt here, but I got a feeling, or I got this little stat that makes me think one way. We, we don't do predictions on the show, mostly because I don't think you care about my predictions. I'm not predicting the series goes one way or another. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see how I feel tomorrow, the actual day of the game. But I'm hoping, because it makes me so happy to see Giannis succeed, maybe even in a way that it doesn't with Rodgers or it didn't with Braun, for some of the reasons that we talked about. And I'm not slandering Rodgers or Braun, but Giannis personally is unimpeachable. I don't understand how there's a single person on this planet that doesn't want to see him succeed, unless, of course, their team is playing against him. I I, I can't comprehend not wanting to see this guy succeed, so I'm hoping this becomes the Giannis series. And I think the biggest factor in whether or not the Giannis series happens is DeAndre Ayton. And we talked about this yesterday. It blows me away that DeAndre Ayton is this big of a factor. I spent an hour today just reading about DeAndre Ayton, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life that I have stacked up enough articles by authors who I'm interested in where I, can, where I can do nothing but read about DeAndre Ayton for an hour. I'm like, I need a hobby. I need a girlfriend. I need, I need I take cooking classes. I need to do something. Never thought I'd spend this much time on DeAndre Ayton, but I think he's the most important player in the series. Not the best, not the most talented, not the most skilled, but I think he's the most important. He plays such a huge defensive role against Giannis. So crucial. And if you've watched the Suns the last three years, which let's be honest, most of us haven't, but if you watch them at least a little bit this year and a little bit in the past few years, you know that DeAndre Ayton has taken steps and improved defensively in ways that you don't see young players improve. He's improved at a faster clip than almost any, especially big man, 
that I've seen. Imagine coming into the league as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, and you're seven feet tall, but you're still a teenager. And it's like, okay, go go bump rear ends with Steven Adams, right? Go over there and throw bows with DeMarcus Cousins. Some of the biggest, meanest, strongest human beings in the planet. Go, go guard him. It's like, coach, I know, I know I'm seven feet here, but I'm, I just finished high school, man. Quit doing this to me. It's getting punished every night. And DeAndre Ayton, the improvement that he has made as a rookie, you don't see improvement like this. It's similar to what Josh Allen did in year three. Like, where did this come from? You never see players take leaps like that. It's very similar with DeAndre Ayton. And I was reading a piece by Zach Lowe today, ESPN, about his defensive progression, and I saved a tidbit. I'm going to start saying tidbit instead of excerpt because I always struggle to say that word. So I saved a tidbit today, and I want to read a couple of these lines to you. Here's a quote that I thought was really well written about his past defensive failures. Zach Lowe writes, Aiton's mistakes were errors of commission, the results of effort, however misapplied. So DeAndre Aiton has never not cared about defense. He just hasn't figured it out. The effort has been there. The want has been there. The drive, errors of commission, not errors of omission. We're talking about defending the high pick and roll, especially, because that's how it comes to Giannis. They're using Giannis as a screen setter at a, a huge clip compared to the regular season. Giannis in the regular season used as a screener on 19 of 100 possessions on average. Now in the postseason, 30 out of 100 possessions on average, and it goes up with every single series. So DeAndre Ayton, if he's defending Giannis, is going to be expected to step out and defend in the high pick and roll. And previously, he would either rush too far forward, so he'd get caught near half court and someone would blow by him, or he's sitting too far back because he's so concerned about the big getting behind him, which is a valid concern, but if you don't stop the ball, who cares what's going on behind you because the ball scores. And two mantras that Zach Lowe wrote about after talking to coaches and individuals who worked with DeAndre Ayton, these were the two mantras that he accepted and, and repeated over and over again to, to get better at defending, especially in the high pick and roll. And I love both of these. I don't play basketball, though, as I would adopt these mantras. The first one is don't let the big get behind your head, right? You can keep them on your hip. You can keep them to your side, but don't let them get behind your head. And the other one, the ball scores, meaning you got to pay attention to the ball first. The priority is ball. If you played even low-level basketball, what do the coaches always say? Fast break. Stop ball, stop ball, stop ball. Step out and stop the ball. And that's true even to a bigger degree now because in transition, you don't have everybody crashing to the rack. You have individuals that are going to split out and go to the wing, go to the short corner, which wasn't really the case eight years ago. So now stopping ball is incredibly more important. And it's more difficult because the spacing is bigger than it ever has been before. So focusing on the ball, that was a big focus of DeAndre Aiden. And this is the tidbit that I want to read you word for word. This was the instruction. This is the mantra, the, the approach that DeAndre Aiden took. Visualize how it should look and feel as he drops back against the pick and roll, defending two people at once, ball handler and roller. If that rolling big, Aiton's man, gets behind Aiton's head, the Suns are at risk of allowing a lob dunk, which we saw with Giannis. But overreact to that threat, and you abandon the most dangerous player on the floor. The guy with the ball. That's just a great explanation from Zach Lowe. I share this with you because a couple of these tidbits really highlight how Aiton has worked on his defense and how these tiny little tweaks that he's made to be so good and improve so quickly, how they impact the way that the Suns defend Giannis. And it's not that DeAndre Aiton is some Giannis stopper. Typically, when you when someone is a somebody stopper, it's a little bit of a fallacy. Like in, in the Warriors-Cavs finals, we always talked about Andre Iguodala as the LeBron stopper. Well, LeBron averaged like 36, 11, and 8 in, in those series or whatever. I'm making up that number, but it was in that ballpark. No one was stopping LeBron, but he understood the assignment, and he could pull it off to such a degree where the opposing best player wasn't going to go for 60. Aiton can keep Giannis from going from 40. 
And Aiton's importance as a Giannis stopper, quote-unquote, also just highlights that the Suns don't have another passable option. They don't have a clue without him on the floor. Their best hope is to rest Aiton when Giannis rests. That's their plan on, on covering Giannis. And maybe I was thinking about this earlier today. Maybe that's why Giannis called for an early sub in that first quarter. When he immediately, he scored that bucket, goes to the free throw line, and he, and he takes himself out of the game, and it worried me for a sec, but said after the game, ah, I just needed a couple seconds, catch my breath, catch my legs. What if that was some attempt to just kind of muck up the substitution patterns of the game? Because you want to match Giannis's minutes with Aiton's minutes. And if Giannis is going to the bench, you want to be able to rest Aiton. But what happens when Giannis subs out after three minutes and Monty Williams is thinking, ah, oh, what do we do with Aiton? Do we pull him? Do we leave him out there? Just throw the Suns off of their rhythm a little bit. Maybe, just ma- maybe that happened. Maybe I'm reaching. Maybe I'm trying to get too creative. Or maybe Coach Bud is a little bit craftier than we think. Maybe, just maybe. The bottom line is, if the Bucks can get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble, as they did in the previous game, or they can maximize, for whatever reason, the substitutions don't line up, where there's minutes where Ayton's on the bench, but Giannis is on the floor. I mean, the, the, this can become the Giannis series. Because if Ayton's not out there for foul reasons or for whatever reasons, they need to go small with Cam Johnson, which the Bucks ate alive, or they need to play Frank Kaminsky, which is a nightmare for so many different reasons for Phoenix. The Dario Saric injury impacts them. I never thought we'd be talking about Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre Ayton. But that little batch of players, so crucial to the way that they defend Giannis, or at least tread water against Giannis, which is really their goal, man, they can't stay afloat without Ayton on the floor. And the Bucs need to look to attack him, to beat him up, to try to get him in foul trouble again tomorrow night. That needs to be the number one goal, at least on offense. We can talk defense and the way they do different things. There's a lot of different details to this game, but... Aiton is a huge cog. How the Suns use him and how the Bucks attack him or don't attack him is going to tell the story, especially with Giannis. And as Giannis goes, as the Bucks go. 608-796-2558. Michael, thank you for this tweet at Wisco Grant, by the way. He asks, people don't like Planet Pat. If we didn't have him, we would have to play Forbes 30 minutes a game. Thank you, Michael. Everybody wants to hate Teague and Bryn. And we want to hate on Pat. And we want to hate on Brooke. We got to play more than four guys. And Pat has been so, so passable and stepped into that Dante role and played a really important role, and they've won because of it. So I appreciate your tweet, Michael, and thank you. I know it's not everybody, but a lot of people just rip on Pat to rip on him. It's too bad. Let's take a break. We'll talk to Bart Winkler, friend of the show from the fan in Milwaukee. Talk bucks with him coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Michael, thank you for the tweet. This is this just made my day. Tweeting in in support of Pat Connaughton. He gets a tough rap. He's been great. He's been really important to what the Bucks do. Schmidt on the north side with some support for Pat Connaughton. Now you, Michael, on Twitter. Thank you for the tweet at Wisco Grant. You can text and call 608-796-2558. But you can't call now because we're on the horn with our friend Bart Winkler. So if you call now, I'm just going to hang up and then you'll get frustrated. So just don't call. When we're done with Bart, we'll have time to chat. I promise. Bart Winkler, longtime friend of the Wisco Sports Show. I think a, a personal friend of mine and like captain of the Bucks optimism train right now in Milwaukee. But, uh, Bart, it's wonderful to hear your voice. I know you're super busy. Everybody wants to talk to you because you're the Bucks guy right now. And I appreciate you making time for me in the show. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. And I hate, I hate, hate when people do this, but I will, as a guest, reference 
uh, the bumper music that was playing when mm-hmm. you brought me in. Uh, little Gary Rafferty right on, or right down the line, yeah. I believe. Uh, the first time I ever heard that song, I was driving on 94 from La Crosse to Madison, and I was mesmerized by that song, like Seinfeld, Witchy Woman kind of thing. Witchy Woman. And I missed my exit. <laughs> Witchy Woman. You missed your exit because of a Jerry Rafferty song? Well, I never heard it before, and I was just mesmerized by it. Oh, well, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you referenced it because I looked at my entire list of songs. And I'm like, what would Bart actually appreciate? Because, like, you know Justin Garcia. He's in Milwaukee, too. He's a huge deadhead. So every time I have him on, I try to, like, ah, what Grateful Dead song can I ch-? I'm always trying to stay one step ahead. So, no, I don't mind when people mention music at all. Like, I, I love talking about music, so I'm glad that I was able to, I don't know, Jerry Rafferty. Of course there's a story. I, wanted, I asked you earlier today, I was like, what do you want to talk about tonight? And you're like, well, Bucks are in the finals. Like, if you want to get about that, I guess... We'll talk about the Bucks. I want to talk to you, like, from the perspective of, of course, a, a Bucks fan, but also as a radio host, like, how you do your job yeah. and how you watch these games. Because I don't know if you experience this, but I certainly do. Like, the magic of sports is still there, but sometimes it's taken away a little bit by the job because as soon as the game is over, like, I need to treat it like a product. Like, okay, what little interesting things can I find and how can I turn that? So it becomes work, which I love this job, but it becomes work. And I got to say, going back and watching highlights of especially their win, Game 3, and hearing Mike Breen say bang for players that I cheer for and seeing my team in the NBA Finals with the voice that I, like, Mike Breen was the guy when I got into the NBA, I was just blown away. I was like, how have I never watched this league before? When I was in middle school, I got into basketball. That kind of made me feel like a little kid. And the magic of sports is kind of there, which sometimes it goes away because of this job. I guess I was wondering if you've experienced the same thing. Um, Sometimes sometimes I feel like it's gone away, but sometimes I feel like it's been heightened. Sure. Like, uh, game six against the Hawks, I was at the Deer District for that, and I'm going to be chasing that moment the rest of my life, you know? I was with a bunch of people, it was a Saturday night, it was just uh, euphoria, they were going to the finals, fireworks were being lit off in the street. I'm going to chase that moment the rest of my life. I, I understand what you're saying about, like, it is work. Like, during these games, mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking notes, Yep. but I'm also I'm also super into the game. You know, I can't stay still, et cetera, et cetera. I'll tell you what I, I – I, it's not the magic of sports that I've lost watching these games. It's like my friendship because I'm locked into the game. Yep. And I'm locked into Twitter because I need to, like, tweet funny, hilarious things at Wink Things. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking my notes. So I'm, I'm, I got, I'm split three ways, game, Twitter, notes. Yeah. And then I'll get a text from a buddy in the third quarter that says, like, oh, man, the Suns are just too good. And I'm like, I hate you now. Yeah. Please leave me alone. Why don't you understand how busy I am? And also, they are not too good. Stop being this. I, how come nobody ever texts me of all my friends? Maybe this is the same for, for you guys. It's, it's never like, hey, that was a nice shot, text. It's always, well, they suck. Yeah. Oh, oh, garbage team with a garbage night, text. Okay, why don't you know what my parents used to tell me to do yeah. when I was mad watching sports? They'd say, punch your pillow. Punch your pillow. We don't need to tweet every time we're mad. We don't need to text every time we're mad. Just punch your pillow. Maybe you still have a bad call brick, you know, or whatever. Throw Mm -hmm. that. It doesn't need to be. It just doesn't need to be this way, Grant. No. Well, you know what's weird is nobody, I don't really get texts from friends because I have, my friend group here in Lacrosse is pretty small. Like, after we graduated, a lot of people moved. So I have a couple of friends who I'll watch with and. I'll be on my laptop, but also try to, like, be social during the game. I can't watch at bars. Like, if people are going out to watch, I can't. I need to hear. 
I need to be on my laptop, so I can't I can't go somewhere to watch, but I'll watch with friends. And like the other night when the Bucks won in game six, I got a text from a friend who I went to school with, but I haven't seen in a while. And he said, congrats, Grant. And I'm like, why are you? Con-? So like in a weird way, like, am I a spokesperson for the team? And they're like, congrats, Grant. Like, it must feel good. So I, I did get a text like that after game six. That was nice. I was at home. I was with my dad. And I had a friend who was visiting because this was over the fourth weekend. And my parents live on a lake. So you were at the Deer District. When they won game six, I had a couple of beers. They won. I ran outside. I jumped in the lake because I was euphoria. <laughs> I, I haven't felt that since 2010 when the Packers won. And I was, like, 12 at the time. So I couldn't really celebrate like I can now. It was... It was cool. I, I feel the euphoria after that game, and I, I definitely feel frustration getting texts and, and trying to watch games, too. We're talking with Bart Winkler, the fan in Milwaukee. I I think of the Bucks a little bit differently as the Packers and the Brewers because, like, Milwaukee has a special ownership of that team, right? The, the statewide interest is there, but, like, not like it is with the Packers and the Brewers. Milwaukee kind of it's, – it's more – I don't know. It's more like a family because that's, that's Milwaukee's thing, especially when the team has been bad. Has it been a unique experience the way that Milwaukee, have you been down in the Deer District and the way that that city has just kind of rallied around the team? As a Milwaukee resident, right, can you speak to that, how this has been inspiring, or maybe it, it hasn't been inspiring at all? That's what I'm wondering. No, yeah, I, I think it does. I think there is a, you know, every team is every team is kind of viewed and, and rooted for differently in the state. The Packers obviously play once a week, and they fill 80,000, you know, seats. Yeah. And, you know, people, you make a voyage from any part of the state. It, it doesn't take somebody living in Eau Claire, you know, it doesn't take them a second thought to go four hours down Highway 29 or whatever it is to get over to Green Bay. Of course you're going to do it. It's a Packer game. Milwaukee, where, wherever you are in the state, you could be in the city, the Brewers, and say, oh, yeah, it's a nice summer night. I'll go have a couple beers at the game. Mm-hmm. Or you do your buses, whatever. There's, it's a summer. There's always reason to get to Milwaukee. The Bucks. if you're going to come and watch a game, like if you're going to come and watch the game at Pfizer Forum, typically it's going to they play like during the weeknights in the winter. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like living in lacrosse, if you're going to come to a Bucks game and they're not in the day, so it's like, well, I could go there on a Saturday night and then I, I might have to stay and get the hotel and all that stuff. Otherwise, I drive back. I don't get home till one thirty. It's just it's more – the Bucks are probably the least – Accessible, even though they play 82 times, 41 times at home. It's just they play in the middle of the winter, you know, in on weeknights most of the time. So mm-hmm. I think that for that reason, it's harder to be there in person. The I, you know, the, the state coverage has gotten better uh, with the Bucks, and I do like that. So that's good. And I think that yeah, there is. I, I I'm just I'm happy that Milwaukee is getting this kind of attention. The Deer District has been great when they show those shots on TV and there's twice as many people outside the stadium as they're in inside. But I, I also think that this is good for Milwaukee's image in the state. I think there's a lot of people that still, you know, they get in the Miller Park and they turn around. That's the furthest they've ever gone in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee's a great city, man. You know, the, Milwaukee's a great city. I know when you watch the news, it's like three terrible things out of Milwaukee, and there's certainly problems in this city as there are in others. Milwaukee has a lot more people. There's there's going to be a few more news items. Mm-hmm. But I think the Deer District, what it's done is it is it is truly a place where everybody, age, race, sex, whatever, everybody goes there and, and they belong. They have a sense of ownership to it. It's in a great part of the town where it's accessible to everybody. 
it's just it's just been really good for the city. You know, if we could keep that that vibe going year round and really extend it through the state to get all zen on you. I just think that what the Deer District has done and what, what the Bucks have done, what Bucks success does for the city. And you know, it's crazy, Grant. Like, even when the Brewers are good or the Packers or whatever, when a team is good and goes on a championship run, it, like, brings everybody together over sports. Everybody's yeah. happy. Everybody's rooting for the same thing. It doesn't matter what we fought about for the last 12 months. We're all rooting for the same thing. And I'm, I'm glad sports exist for that reason. I wish we could just find that, you know, commonality a little more. In other ways as well. I get it, and I get your comments about the Deer District and everybody being welcome, because I was there for one of the games over the Hawks series, and that was my experience. It was really cool to be down there. As somebody who's not from a city that's that big, the crowd is, I mean, it takes your breath away for a sec. You're like, holy smokes, but then you, you kind of switch into party mode and, and crowd mode, and then it's it's really something, and it's a fun time to be down there. I have two more questions for you. Let's be quick. I, we always agree on everything, so I, I feel like we need to push back on each other a little bit. I know you hate Coach Bud, and I just I want you to explain what you don't like about him, and then maybe I can disagree with you on that, and we can actually disagree on something for the next two minutes or so. Can you please? I would like to see him. I would like to see him not play Jeff T. First of all, I just want to see him do things first. I want to see him be the aggressor. Okay. I don't like that they spotted the Suns two wins in the series. They're, they're not good in game one. They almost lost to the Heat. They lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Nets. Getting through that Nets series, you really look back, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. You, you spot a team two games, it's hard to come back. Only four teams have ever done it in the finals. I think this Bucks team could do it, but it just seems like when they start these series, hello, is there tape you can watch on these teams? Can you come in with any sort of plan? So, but I, I, I'll give him credit. He's done better at making adjustments now than he probably ever has with the Bucks. But, but like, okay. why do you let game one get away from him? Okay. Okay, I, I get that. I, I think when we talk about how the Bucks are bad in game one, but then they, they slowly get better, right, then we have to admit that they're making adjustments. Okay, you want him to do the correct things right from the jump. Bart, I do like have right to— Right now, if this, yep. if this was a best of nine, the Bucks would guarantee win the series. Yeah. I but agree. it's only a best of seven, and you've already spotted the Suns, too. I agree. They think with 48 minutes in mind and with seven games in mind, which can be frustrating. It worked against the Hawks. I just, I don't know. And I agree. If it was a 10-game series, a nine-game series, yes, seven game is, is a little bit different. Um, I had to ask you that because I feel like we, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it on Coach Bud a little bit. And I remember, Bart, last time I talked to you, I was like, look, being the road team isn't so bad because you have time to feel out those first two games before you really need to start batting down the hatches, and you poo-pooed me, I remember. Every guest, I, I was so proud of that take. I brought it up to every guest, and every one of them no-sold it, so you're not unique. But I think it's playing out, right? There are certain advantages starting on the road. You can try things, and you can ease into a series, and we'll see if the Bucks can actually do it like they did it against Brooklyn. Bart, I want to I finish with like a more like a, a human interest story here, like a human interest question, because mm. I know you're yeah. a father. You worked in local news, so I, you, can, you can get into this. So your son is two now, correct? Yeah. So I, I guess I'm I'm curious because when the Packers won the Super Bowl, I was just old enough, I think, to really appreciate it. Not as much as I would now, but I was in seventh grade. And I remember my dad taking me to the store before the game. And, like, it was very clear, like, he was kind of showing me the ropes. Like, hey, Packers, go to the Super Bowl. You're going to have to, like, you got you to gotta learn the ropes here, son, if you're going to be a Packer fan. Like, we're going to buy the VHS tapes so we can record the game. This is before the NFC title game in 2008. I remember doing this. We're going to get two, one for the title game, one for the Super Bowl, bought some victory cigars. And I was like, it was cool. It was a cool father-son moment. And I was wondering, like, 
is your son old enough? Are you doing anything like that? Or is he not going to remember this, this Bucks title run at all? Well, you won't remember this. Right now, what I'm just trying to get him to do is be aware of sports. And he knows now, if, he, if whatever sport I'm watching, he knows if it's basketball or soccer or football. So I feel like I've, yeah. I've made an achievement there. And then what I'm doing also is he likes opening things and what I call merchandising. He likes stacking things up in one place and then moving them to another. So instead of him just doing that with the same Disney toys all the time, I buy him packs of trading cards that I let him open, and then he plays with those. So I'm just trying to – I'm not trying to force anything. No. I'm just trying to subliminally <laughs> ingrain him to how awesome sports are and why he will be uh, – enjoy his life more if he likes sports. Yeah. Well, I mean, pay close attention. Maybe he's maybe he's going a little bit more detailed with those cards. He's putting together roster combinations and lineups and – Maybe he's the head of the game. You just got to pay attention as a parent, maybe. Well, I don't know. I just wanted to ask. I'm not nosy. I'm just curious because I love that side of sports, too. And I think if you only talk about the X's and O's, then it's like, well, now we're just doing analytics or we're doing math class, and that's no fun. So I had to ask. And I appreciate you. Well, sharing I love talking about my kid. Well, and I figured. I'm like, okay, I'll ask him about his kid. I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll enjoy. Bart, <laughs> enjoy the Bucks game. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, and I, I never want to overwhelm you, ask you to come on too much, but I appreciate everyone's smile you coming on and, and sharing your thoughts on things. We appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, Grant, the pleasure is mine. Also, come to lacrosse this summer. I listened to your show this morning. You're like, it's so far away. It's three hours. It's nothing on 94, so get back here. It's so far away, dude. Uh, I'll, probably, so far. I'll probably be in Milwaukee two or three times before the summer is over, so I think you – hey, your son is just getting older. You're going to get more involved. PTA and practices and play dates and all these things. The time is now, so you got to get over here. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks, Bart. Take care. See you, see you, buddy. Bart Winkler, the fan, Milwaukee, friend of show. I feel like we covered a, a couple of different sides of the Bucks, right? Got a little bit of Coach Bud, a little human interest, a little human interest on Milwaukee, the parenthood side. I, all right, I think we checked all the boxes. I hate getting off the phone with a guest and thinking like, dang, I wish I would have done this, 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 this. Because all guests are unique, right? You want to hit every possible angle and make the most of an interview. I, th- I think we did okay. We're going to do okay. We're going to do better than okay. David Gasper will join us at 530. Lots to talk about in baseball, not just the Brewers right now. So I am overly excited for that as well. We'll come back, kind of tie everything together that we've talked about in the last 50 minutes, and then we'll get into hour number two of the Wisco Sports Show. That's coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The second quarter was two-pronged. It had an effect both for the Bucks and for the Summer, quoting Jerry Seinfeld. You believe this will have a two-pronged effect. We're talking about the roommate switch, right? Great episode. I got it! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. a bunch of us, myself included, we're all lying to ourselves right now. I lie to myself all the time. And I'm certainly doing it right now. I think a bunch of us are lying to ourselves. Because I know what we're all thinking. Because I'm doing the same thing. You're driving home from work, or maybe you're at work, or maybe you're home. Wherever you are, you're listening, and you're thinking, ha, <laughs> MLB All-Star Game tonight. Oh, best All-Star Game of them all. Can't wait to watch. You're not going to watch. 
I'm not going to watch. I'm going to look for anything else to do. I don't care. <laughs> oh, the Brewers have four All-Stars. Great. It doesn't matter how they play. It's just cool that they're there. I don't, is that a loser's mentality? Like, I, oh, Josh Hader's going to pitch an inning in the All-Star game? Cool. I get to watch him every night. Like, sorry. I'm going to look for something else to do. I always tell myself that I'm going to watch. I'm going to set time aside, sit down, and take in the MLB All-Star game. I can't wait. I ain't going to watch. I'll probably end up mowing the lawn. I might, I, you know what I'll do tonight? I'll work out, which is one of my least favorite things to do, right? Even when we work out, we do so begrudgingly. No, I think I'm going to go for a run. I'll do push-ups. Maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe I'll actually hit the weights. Shout out to Ebo. Go work on my tries and buys. But I'm not watching the All-Star game. I'm in denial about it. I, I'm telling myself I'm going to, but I'm but I'm not. We do this. We do this every year. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The first hour of the show was so fun. And if you missed it, well, two things. You're in luck. In two, It's a two-pronged good luck to go back to yesterday and to go back to our intro. We believe that this will have a two-pronged effect, to quote Jerry Seinfeld. If you missed the first hour, good news, because we're actually going to talk about some of the same things again in this hour. We're just going to build off of it. And you can always go back and listen to the podcast. However you listen to your podcast, just look, look, Wisco Sports Show. I had a buddy, one of my best friends, who I've known since... Fifth grade, sixth grade. He lives in Montana. And I'm actually going out to visit him in a couple of weeks. And he messages me yesterday. He goes, bro, your show's on Spotify. I'm like, dude, it's been on Spotify for so long. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's wherever, wherever you find your shows, it's there. And I'm like, dude, it's been there for so long. He's like, oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, if you missed the first hour of the show, it'll be on the podcast. But good news, we're going to talk about a lot of the same things because, hey, uh, newsflash, it's the Ulster break. There's not a lot going on other than the Bucks finals, which is what we're talking about. Anyways, 608-796-2558. The talk and text line, Adam and Eau Claire. Speaking of human interest stories, we had a conversation with Bart. Adam says, my two-year-old gets asked, what do you say during baseball? He says, go Brewers. Well, it sounds like your child is leagues ahead of Bart's son, who is two years old. We talked to Bart Winkler back at 430 and I said, look, what do you do with your son? You're in the middle of a championship run. We don't often get these. And I shared a story of what me and my dad did when the Packers would get close to the Super Bowl when I was little. Now, I was a little bit older than two years old. But come on, you got some tradition, some memories got to be made. So they're watching together. But two-year-olds, you know, they can't necessarily diagnose high screen and rolls and drop coverage, three-point effective shooting percentage, that kind of thing. He's close. That, those kinds of things come into play, you know, for age five, right when you start teaching your kid cursive or whatever. And as far as childhood development, I am absolutely clueless as to when any of those things happen. You put a small child in front of me, I couldn't tell you how old. Couldn't I couldn't tell you anything. I'm hopeless. So if I ever get married, which I probably won't, my wife better be uh, really good at that because I, be, uh, I will be hopeless. Anyways, the talk and text line. Thank you, Adam. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. I really struggled to decide today what the big lead of the show is going to be. What, what's the big topic? What's the big story? Because every show, whether it's about sports or or it's just a talk show, it's a human interest show, uh, shows on Food Network, shows on Fox Sports, CNN, they all, the show starts and the music kicks in. Nah, 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 nah. It's all the big story of the day. There really isn't a big story in sports today. There's a lot of small stories, a lot of tiny stories, but they're all side dishes. They're not main courses. Like the Olympic team lost last night to Australia. That's interesting. I could talk about that for about four minutes. Mostly my conversation would be they don't have a real point guard and Kevin Love is washed and I don't know why they have him. That's a waste of a roster spot. Kevin Love hasn't been good in three years. 
Okay, we're done talking about it. That's that's not going to fill time. That's not a robust enough topic. What about the home run derby last night? Pete Alonso won. Should have had Perry Goldstein on today. I really dropped the ball as far as booking guests. Resident Mets fan and uh, Packers podcaster. We really could have used her today. I feel like that was a missed opportunity by me. Eh, soon. Pete Alonso won last night, but I don't have anything to say about that. Shohei Otani and what Stephen A. Smith said. Whatever. Stephen A. Smith said something dumb. Doesn't deserve to be fired for it. I saw somebody write a column about it today. I think it was Barrett Sports Media. Stephen A. Smith deserves to be fired. Okay, whatever. We can talk about the Euro final on Sunday. I don't really want to do any of that. These are all these tiny little topics. They're mildly interesting, but none of them are real barn burners. Maybe Binksy will have a big topic for us. Binks on the talking text line, 608-796-2558. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Grant? Oh, I'm doing swell. I'm enjoying the show. I like the energy today. The Bucks are back tomorrow. So I'm I'm thriving. I'm living life. Yeah, this is kind of like a Thursday kind of show, you know? We don't have anything to talk about much other than the upcoming Bucks game, which I, I think I text you this, but you, you and you and Carney got me excited about being a Bucks fan. You've turned me into a fan, not a not a fair weather fan. I wanna thank you for that. I mean really? I, I'm I'm not kissing your yeah, I'm not kissing your gluteus, Maximus, either. Oh. So, um, but but I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I tried to research this question, but I've been busy all day. I didn't even get a lunch break. Carney said this morning that the winner of the All Star break no longer determines who has home field advantage in the World Series. Oh. I did not know that. I, I know that that it came up and that just chapped my rear end. <laughs> I mean. I didn't like that rule. It was stupid. And because they wanted meaning to come up with the All-Star game. Tell me, how long has that been in effect? And do you agree with that? I mean, just picking your brain as a friend. So I agree with it. You didn't didn't like that rule. rule. Okay, you didn't like that rule. Okay, it was dumb. It was stupid. Oh, it was dumb. So I found this. It was lower than... Yeah, I found this tidbit. That rule was in place from 2003 to 2016, so it's done. And I had to look it up because oh. I don't I don't watch All Star games. Like I always tell myself I'm gonna, and then I don't. Yeah. So I like I had to check it yeah. too. I I don't know. He, here's the thing: we always want All Star games to mean something, but then as soon as they mean something, yeah. it's like, well, no, it's a dumb All Star game. You can't actually like bet home field advantage on it. So I feel like we're never gonna win with All Star yeah. games, you know? Right. Right. Yes. Yes. You know, and you, going back to your point, and you know I don't like comparing any sports, especially professional sports, uh, but, you know, when back when the NBA had their all-star game and you were saying, look, this is the off year, mm. and, you know, let these guys get a break break, you know, because of last year and they've just been going, I agree. I just think the all-star break, you know, all, you know, people need a break from their job, people, and yeah. baseball is their job. These guys are professional athletes. Um, and we're we're sending all pitchers, you know, um, and these guys need a break, except for um, Narvaez. But let's I, I, I just didn't like that rule. It was really stupid. Um, so and I guess that's the only thing Manfred did right then is got rid of that rule. So, well, anyway, today, can, I, can I ask you about two rules now, Binksy? Well, I have you because, like I said, there's not really there's, yeah. no, there's nothing going on. I, I got a text from Mike. He says, you better figure out the big story. You only have 50 minutes left. Well, I don't think there is a big story, no. but today, Binks, I don't know if you saw, Manfred said that they're probably going to do away with the seven-inning the seven inning doubleheader and the runner starting on second base in extra innings. What do you think about that? Um, the, you know, the, 
the seven inning thing is I'm I'm indifferent on that. Okay. Get rid of that second base thing. Ooh, oh my gosh. I like that rule. Uh. Oh, get rid of it. I can see if it goes into the eleventh or twelfth. Okay. But just I, I just I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I'm not into that rule. And the seventh, the, the yeah, you can get your game in quicker. Uh, but it's not bar league softball, man. They're be, they're conditioned athletes. Yeah. Let's let's be let's face facts. Um. I can see where, but I, uh, sorry, man, you asked really good questions. They're simple, <laughs> but it's a good question. Well, yeah, I, I really uh, like you're a baseball purist. You know, I should have known that you, you want the truest form of I the am. game. You're a real fan, of course. I am. I, and I, I love, I just love the, you know, the, the hit and run. I, I love the, you know, the strategy. Yeah. Can I ask one more question? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll leave you alone for the first half of the year for baseball. <laughs> sure. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with Hira? Ugh. Is there a team out there that wants a second baseman? Oh no, you can't I mean, trade him. You can't, that's one thing we can't do. We we can't trade him. Right, and it's it's. I don't I don't think we have a home for him. I don't think he's just he's just, <laughs> when you're batting a buck fifty and you're not your on base percentage is nothing. Yeah, I I, I don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah, um, you know it's. I just want to know what your thoughts are. I'll let you go, and uh, happy first half of the season. Yeah, we um, made it through. Thanks. Job well done. Thanks for the call, Big Z. Yeah, thanks, G-Bills. Yeah, have a good one. Take care. I, the, oh, the hero thing. I, let's talk about in basketball terms. I think maybe we're talking about the Bucks. I think it's an interesting point, right? So what what does hero do well, and what does he do poorly? Okay, well, what, what advantages does he provide, and what disadvantages? So in what ways does he lift up the Brewers, and what way does he hold back the Brewers? Okay. So he's hitting, I don't even know what he's hitting, 130. He had a little bit of a nice stretch. I think maybe the all-star break will be good for him, although it's not like he hasn't had breaks. So I I don't know. Just hope he comes back in the second half, reset, better version of himself. Okay. Up until this point, Hira has been a liability at the plate, and he's been a liability in the field, not because he's a terrible defender, but because they don't really have a natural place to put him. Right, because Colton Wong's playing second. They have they have uh, shortstop and third base. They haven't nailed down. Like they don't really have a spot for him. So essentially, what you're left with is like PJ Tucker. I like PJ Tucker, but his defense is not as good as most people would believe based on name recognition only. And the offense is so limited, you can only put him in the corner, which really handcuffs you. So here is kind of in that same spot. The, the problem is the Bucks are all banged up because they're without Dante and, and the rotation is short in the postseason anyway. So they need a little bit of P.J. Tucker at least. The Brewers, they can't trade him. Like, you, you don't give up on this guy now. Not at, not at the bottom of the barrel. You, you, I mean, you can't trade him at his lowest value. So, no, I, I don't know. You can't trade him. What they do other than that, I, I don't know. Do whatever you can to try to get him going. Hopefully he finds his mojo. 608-796-2558. Our basketball friend, Chris, Flurry Sports. Our insider, our expert, Chris, what's up? Hey Grant, how are we doing today? I'm doing swell. We're we're mixing Brewers and Bucks together, which I find interesting. So I'm enjoying the show. Yeah, no, and and I guess to offer my obviously, and basketball on the NBA is where I feel like I really thrive in yeah. the discussion. But just to just to kind of offer my input on on the whole Hero trade because um, I'm a Brewers fan. I, I try to watch almost every game. I'd say I've watched more games this year than I than I haven't. Um, which is the first time that's happened in a long time. I think for Hira, if you were if the trade was going to happen, 
it should have happened when he was on his hot streak. Probably, what was it, two, three weeks ago? Yeah. He, or yeah, or in 2018. Or drunk. two years ago, yeah. When he was valuable, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But so I think that right now, Hira is, again, just one of those stocks where, you know, he's he's I think he's on the decline, right? But he's showing little little jumps up. And so I think if you're the Brewers and you really, really want to trade Hira at this point, you have to wait until he's actually riding one of those hot streaks. And so, you know, right now I don't think it's the right time to trade Hira because you're right, we wouldn't really get a lot in return for him. It'd be kind of like trying to trade Ben Simmons, yeah. which was what I was actually going to call in and, and kind of bring up. Yeah, let's uh, do that. I know that right – I think that right now in the NBA, obviously the finals are, are the main event, but I think that the, the thing that has everyone's attention right now is – Ben Simmons and the fact that the 76ers have openly stated that he's out on the market. And I was curious what your thoughts were. I know I know this isn't necessarily Wisconsin sports, but what do you think about that whole Ben Simmons situation where he ends up if the Sixers are making the right choice yeah. um, and who might want him? Well, I mean, the the obvious trade, like, I don't Like, what is it? McCollum for Simmons? Is it, the Blazers are, are there at a crossroads. The Sixers are at a crossroads. I feel like that's just the obvious trade. It's like, I, I kind of just like, just shut up and do that already because I feel like that's the trade, right? I know a lot of teams would be interested in Simmons, but he fits an interesting role and you got to kind of design things around him. I don't know. Would McCollum, would, would Lillard and Simmons, along with whatever else they have off the top of my head, or they got Nurkic and maybe if Zach Collins ever stops being made out of glass, like, I, I don't know. Is that the trade? What do you think? Yeah, to be honest, I really don't, I don't see a place for, Ben Simmons necessarily is a great fit on a title contender right now with the way his game is. Yeah. There's a lot of developing that has to go on, I think, for this for this guy. I don't know if a McCollum I think honestly the Blazers would be getting fleeced if they gave up McCollum for Simmons. Yeah. Uh, that might be a hot take to some people out there, but it's one of those things where, you know, the the Blazers are really built as a team that's going to shoot the three ball that's really kind of they're still stuck in i think trying to pattern themselves after the 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 golden state warriors dynasty right where you have a point guard who's obviously your your big three-point shooter like curry i think dame is also a little bit of a defensive liability he's especially showing that with usa with usa basketball <laughs> yeah that's days. true <laughs> and oh, oh there right lucy Chris? j mccollum oh there you go oh hello yeah you're there i like, fleeced, okay, well, this perfect. is the problem, like, with teams getting fleeced. It's like the Blazers are in kind of a desperate spot because they got to keep Dame happy, and the Sixers are in kind of a desperate spot because, like, Simmons was embarrassing to a degree where they feel like they need to trade him, even if it's not the smartest thing to do. And those can sometimes be the most interesting trades when two teams are desperate and they're like, hey, let's just do this and see if it works. That's what we got with Westbrook and Chris Paul, and that was a mess, but it really worked out in an interesting kind of mysterious way two years later. So, I, like, I'm excited to watch. Before I let you go, Chris, and before we move on, Suns Bucks, do you have a feel? I've been reading and focusing a lot on DeAndre Ayton because I think his role in this series is just so interesting. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Ayton. He has quickly become one of my favorite players to watch, I think, in this series, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Yeah. He's, pl- he's finally playing like a guy worthy of that number one overall pick that he earned a few years ago. So... Aiton has been really fun. I think that he, as much as we like to talk about Chris Paul and Devin Booker and even Jay Crowder to a degree, I really think that Aiton for the Suns is the key for them going up against the Bucks. Um, for whatever reason, he's been really able, I think, to slow down Brooke Lopez. Um, I think that's something 
um, maybe more down the lines of kind of some speed as well as some good length. But I also think that he's done a pretty decent job trying to guard Giannis down in the paint, which is something not a lot of players can can really brag about. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think Aiton is really the key to the series for the Suns as much as we like to talk about the stars that they already have. Um, in terms of overall feel for the series, you know, I know Bucks fans out there are, are really excited, and honestly, I'm excited for you. <laughs> you know, um, speaking from someone who's coming from a, a neutral neutral angle here, you know, if I'm a Bucks fan, I think I'd be really, really excited. I think that there's also something to be said for, you know, let's wait until one team wins, uh, you know, a game on the road here, because that's yeah. when a series truly begins. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I wasn't overreacting like I think a lot of Bucks fans and, um, you know, were after the first two games, because quite honestly, I expected the Suns to go 2-0 in mm-hmm. those games. I also expected the Bucks to win game three. So this series is, at least in my mind, going as it absolutely should. Yeah. Now, where I think you got, you know, Bucks fans and, and you know, you in particular, you, you Bucks fans out there should really panic is Suns win game four. Oh, yeah. And then go back home for game five. That's that's obviously the the uh, the Armageddon situation here. Oh, yeah. So it's funny that right now, really all the pressure is on the Bucks to win game four, even though um, I think there, there really shouldn't be because they have been playing so well at home. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just don't want to get in that feel of, okay, we're taking our home games for granted, um, especially for the team that doesn't have that home court advantage. Yeah. Well, they weirdly have momentum, but they're the team in a, in a must-win situation. Chris, I got to go. We're going to talk more about DeAndre Ayton, and then we got to get into the Brewers in just a couple minutes. I appreciate you calling in, man. Hey, absolutely, Grant. Always a pleasure to be on. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Chris Porter, Flurry Sports. Celtics guy, too. Oh, regular season when the Bucks play the Celtics. Chris Calls are going to be electric. I wonder if he's a Tom Brady guy. I got to ask him. Maybe he's all Boston. I'm going to go look at his Twitter because we got to get some. We got to get some Boston beef. Finally, some juice to that rivalry because I just hate on Boston, but I got no one to fight with. So maybe Chris can be that guy, especially during football season. That'd be a blast. Let's take a break. Maybe talk more about Devin Booker because we started talking about him yesterday. Something, something's not quite right there. Talking about who's more important, Aiton Booker. Let's let's talk about Suns players and what threat they pose, and then we'll get into baseball. 535. Can't wait to talk to David Gasper. A lot coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talking text line. I have a heck of a scoop from Todd and Eau Claire. And Todd, I don't know if you're messing with me. This isn't something we joke about. Todd says, apparently Craig Council was at the Eau Claire Express game last night. Craig Council was at Carson Park. His son plays for the Wilmar Stingers. They'll play again tonight. Wonderful be there. Okay, first of all, what the heck? Okay, the Northwoods League, if there is a ballpark to come to, Craig, lacrosse is closer than Eau Claire. From Milwaukee? Yeah, come on. What are you doing? Come to Copeland. It's a great time. Right down by the river. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come to a loggers game, okay? We'll do a live. Heck, stop into the studio first. We'll do a live show. If Craig Council is at the loggers game tonight or at the express game, please tweet me a picture at Wisco Grant. Todd, I appreciate that intel. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jamie, Ken's Barbershop, said a hero belongs in a platoon with Telez. Let him find his mojo. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't trading hero. It'd be dumb. It'd be, it'd be like buying a stock high, refusing to sell that stock when it was still really high, and then when the stock bottoms out with potential for the stock to go back up, you get rid of it for nothing. Now, I'm no financial advisor, 
but that would seem like a poor way to, to go about that. Right? Any stock people listening? I feel like that would be a dumb thing. Maybe wait to see if it goes back up. And if it doesn't, okay, well, you can unload it for nothing anyways, which is basically the option you have now. Jamie, we are in lockstep on the cast and hear a thing. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter, like I said, at Wisco Grant. We covered a lot of ground between Hira and Ben Simmons and McCollum. And then we also got into Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. We're talking about the Suns that pose the biggest threat to the Bucks. DeAndre Ayton plays a crucial role because when he's not on the floor, I mean, Giannis is going to eat. Giannis might eat with DeAndre Ayton on the floor too, but they have more of a chance of stopping him, slowing him down enough to win games. At least that's what happened in, in game one and game two, especially in game one. DeAndre Ayton, we did a bunch of numbers, interesting things on him and exactly how his defense has got better. If you're missing that, you can go back and find that in the first half of the podcast, which will get posted just after six o'clock. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the the eight numbers, and they're eye-popping. So far in this series, through three games, there have been 86 minutes played with both Giannis and Aiton on the floor. Milwaukee's plus three. But with Giannis and no Aiton, Bucks are plus 21. They've grabbed 61% of offensive rebounds, and they're scoring a scalding 135 points per 100 possessions. That's with Giannis on the floor without DeAndre Aiton. The difference is it's not just substantial. It's, it's blinding. And if you want to talk about how this impacts Brooke Lopez as well, I have the stat written down somewhere. It's in a mess of everything. Here it is. The Suns have rebounded a third of their misses with Aiton on the floor and with Brooke off the floor. So you have all of these substitutions and minute disparities between Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Aiton, this weird love triangle thing where if the balance is upset just a little bit in one way or another, it can have a butterfly effect on the rebounding, on the scoring, on the plus minus. It's... It's a balancing act. It's a delicate act, managing minutes and managing rotations that Bud and and Monty Williams, the coach of the Suns, have to deal with. Two positives. Well, one positive and one question from the other night. I think it's a huge positive that the Suns lost by 20 in a game that Jay Crowder hit six threes. Jay Crowder's always been good against the Bucs. Who is somebody who always killed the Brewers or always killed the Packers? Jason Witten always killed the Packers. Or at least that's what people always said. I don't remember if that's true or not, but people always said that. And then the Brewers, you'd have guys come to Miller Park and they just hit the crap out of the ball. Was it Tomei or was it Dunn? Who would just come scald baseballs at Miller Park? I think it might have been Dunn. Guy would just hit jacks out of the park in left center field. Jay Crowder's always been one of those guys, for whatever reason, who's just been really good against the Bucks. Cleveland, Utah. He was also, where he was in Boston too. He's, I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's been really effective against the Bucks. He went six of seven from three the other night. Had 18 points, and the Bucs won by 20. I think it's significant that they were able to win the Jay Crowder game. It would be very similar if Bryn Forbes went for 20 and the Bucs lost by 20. You'd be like, oh, man. Tough. Keep your eye on Devin Booker, too, tomorrow night. The Bucs have, have found a way to at least mess him up, make him force tough shots. I think P.J. Tucker defending him is advantageous. P.J. Tucker, not as good on defense as I think we would believe with his name recognition, with his reputation. But he does okay on Booker because he can beat him up. Drew Holiday has also been really good. And if you look at NBA.com's matchup data, Devin Booker is one of 12 in the series when defended by Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a weapon. Put him on CP3, put him on Booker, use him on both. He's been a weapon, and they're unleashing that weapon a little bit more game by game as we have fewer games, right? You got to pace yourself, but as this series goes along, you really want to continue to 
prioritize Drew Holiday and who he's covering because you can really make life tough on players, Booker or Paul. You got to keep beating Booker up, make his life difficult. Let's talk about baseball. It's All-Star Week. Talk a little Brewers, a little Shohei Otani, a little Home Run Derby, a little All-Star Game, a little bit of everything. I just want to BS about baseball. BSing with David Gasper reviewing the brew. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name grant bills i appreciate you i hope you're having a delightful day all-star game is tonight i would love to say that yes i'm going to watch and enjoy every moment but i i don't i don't i don't think i will i think i'll look for anything else to do because that's been basically my whole life love the all-star game can't wait and then oh i need to work out i need to shampoo the carpet do laundry anything else anything else I always find a reason to not watch the All-Star game. I'm not anti-All-Star game. It's just, I don't know. During the break, sometimes I just like taking a break from baseball. I watch every single Brewer game. Like I'm, I think I'm going to take a little time off this week. I'll watch the highlights. Or if something crazy is going on, then maybe I'll run to my TV and, and get on Twitter. Pay attention. Don't want to miss anything too important. 608-796-2558. That is the talk and text line. And we took some calls before the break. Having an awesome show. We talked to Chris and Binks. And I saw, Scott, you tried to call. I'm sorry we couldn't fit it in. Jam-packed phones today. Just jam-packed. Everybody wants to join the show. And over the commercial break, for whatever reason, I failed to make a call to David Gasper. And I don't know if that issue's on my end. It's on Gasper. I texted him and I said, hey, man, you got something going on. That's just fine. We'll talk another time. But I said, hey, call me back. I don't know if the phone's not working. We were on a heck of a streak for like two and a half days there. But hopefully we can get connected with David Gasper here in just a few minutes. There's so many stories going on with baseball right now. And I, I was I was almost frustrated by this because the, at the beginning of the show I talked about, I don't know what to talk about. I can't talk about the home run derby. There's not enough there. The Shohei Otani, Stephen A. Smith thing, we did that yesterday. The All-Star game, I don't know. What am I supposed to break down? Am I supposed to do betting lines for the All-Star game? I don't know. So we got some reinforcements, somebody to chat with, somebody to have a nice conversation with, and that's David Gasper reviewing the brew Gasper, are you enjoying a little free time over this All-Star break? Are you taking it easy? <laughs> no, I have not been uh, at all. Been a been a pretty busy past few days with the you know the home run derby, the the MLB draft for the last three days. Um, but uh, should be should be some time to relax, uh, you know, tonight and just kind of enjoying the game, and then uh, Wednesday and Thursday before the season kind of starts back up. Well, first of all, congratulations. I saw yesterday, or was that two days? Yep, that was yesterday, that you have written now 1,000 articles for reviewing the brew. I've read all of them multiple times. They're all fantastic. No, but I've, <laughs> I've read a lot of them. You do great work, and congratulations. The things that you've done with reviewing the brew has been awesome. And I know last couple nights you've been grinding. We don't need to spend too much time on the draft, but what did the Brewers do? What do we need to know? Probably won't see these players for a while, but like, what base knowledge do Brewers fans know about the last couple of days and, and who they drafted? Yeah, so with the draft, I mean, the Brewers added a, a bunch of really kind of uh, high upside talent, um, I, I think. I mean, the, their first two picks, you got Sal Freelick in the first round, Tyler Black in the, uh, in the competitive balance A round at, at 33 overall. I mean, those are two guys that uh, are, are really kind of 
good bats, good hit tools. They walk more than they strike out. They don't they don't strike out much at all. Um, they make really good contact. They barrel up balls well, um, even though they don't have necessarily that much over the fence power. Um, you know, really really good hitters are going to end up hitting into some home runs. So they got some really good contact hitters there in, in the first two picks. Uh, Felix an outfielder, Black's a second baseman. So. Um, if you look at the at this Brewers lineup now, uh, you could definitely say they could use a couple more contact hitters. Uh, but then kind of later on, uh, they, they got a little bit more uh, help. Um, they got Alex Benellis, an Oak Creek, Wisconsin native, um, in the third round. He's a, he's a third baseman, first baseman type corner infielder. I, I know that's kind of been a huge need throughout the organization, um, and they've kind of neglected it uh, for a number of years, but they, they were able to grab Benellis. Uh, a huge power bat, local kid um, in the third round. I, I think that was that was probably my favorite pick of the entire draft. Um, and you know they, they've added some some pretty good upside too in the later rounds. Today they drafted Rock Riggio um, out of Thousand Oaks High School in California in the eleventh round. I mean this was due to the second or third round talent, um, and you know they're probably going to sign him. I mean they saved a lot of money. They drafted all college guys in the first 10 rounds, um, so they could probably sign a lot of those guys for under slot value, um, and they're going to end up, they're probably going to end up signing Rock Riggio for a big bonus. Uh, but I mean, he's a huge talent, can really hit a lot of power, uh, especially from the left side. Um, and then on the, on the pitching staff side, they got, they didn't really get any polished talents. They got a lot of dudes who are, you know, they, they show good analytics numbers. Um, they, they've got some, you know, room to grow development-wise. And the Brewers are really kind of banking big on their pitching development program, which has been excellent um, to, to really kind of turn some of these guys into studs. Russell Smith out uh, of TCU, six foot nine. He's even taller than I am. Uh, Logan Henderson, fourth round, um, huge just strikeout machine. Um, so they got a couple of, uh, of really good talents in there. First of all, job well done on summarizing all of that in a, in a brief moment of time. I also seem to notice that the Brewers kind of draft the same way they acquire through trades or through free agency. Guys with high ceilings who have been undervalued by others who they were able to get at a discount or able to get at a slot position in the draft where it wasn't expected previously. So at least we're seeing a theme. It seems that they certainly have a plan and a methodology in which they go about things. We're talking with David Gasper reviewing the Brew. I want to talk about a bunch of different things. Why don't we do the Shohei Otani thing next? I, the Steve, right. yeah, the Stephen A. Smith comments were insensitive. They were stupid. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think he's racist. Like it's, it's an ethnocentric way of thinking about things. Like, oh, we can't appreciate him unless he speaks our language. I don't think he's being nasty or racist. He had to apologize today, and you know the mob came for him. And I like, I'm not that big of a believer in cancel culture, but he did, was taking heat. I wasn't upset at the dumb comment. People say stupid things and they make mistakes. I was kind of frustrated that in some way he felt as though it was the fault of Shohei Otani that people aren't watching baseball. That's so backwards to me. Like the way that the way in which we explain like, oh, nobody watches because of this. Nobody watches because of this. I think everybody just they, they play dumb and they come up with the stupidest reasons on why we're not watching baseball. And I thought he was really off base with that take naturally. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of the assumptions that he kind of made about um, baseball fans and the whole thing in general was was really kind of wrong. As if you know 
people are turning off the game uh, because it's so international yeah. nowadays. And that's that's just completely not the case. I mean, you see a lot of guys, you know, even even older people. It's like, you know, you ask them their favorite player. And, it, and you know, like even among the Brewers, it's like, who's who's been your favorite player? It's like, oh, it's it's Jesus Aguilar. It's, it's Carlos Gomez. Mm-hmm. It's Orlando Arcia. It's Willie Adamas. It's Luis Arias. It's, you know, all these guys that, you know, are from – um, other countries from from other places, and you know they don't speak you know English all the time. You know they they do it sometimes during interviews, but um, you know it's it's something that yeah it was it was terrible. And I mean every time Stephen A. Smith does have a baseball take, it's generally bad. I yeah. mean he, he really kind of should just kind of stick to basketball and football because I mean th- those are the ones that he watches a lot of. Uh, but I mean it was really kind of a rough couple of days for him. He goes to Milwaukee for Game Three of the Finals. Um, and everyone is just roasting him as he's walking in and as he's at the stadium. And then the next day he says that uh, about Otani. And it's been a rough couple of days for Stephen A. Yeah. Well, he's, his basketball takes aren't that good either, to be completely honest. I like, <laughs> That's I, true. He's an entertainer. I get it. And I, I like it's an angle like, oh, Otani's great. But he, and people try to make this about Giannis. Too. He can't be the face of the league because he's not American. And like, I, I get that the spirit behind thinking like that. I just think it's really wrong. Like, if you're not watching baseball, this is what I believe. Whatever the ratings say, I'm not a big ratings, but I don't really care. But people are watching baseball this time of year because it's July. We're taking vacations. We're doing things. We're out and about after we couldn't last year, right? The NBA Finals are also going on. We're getting ready for the Olympics. There's just a lot going on. And it's a time of the year where we're not normally plugged into our TV sets. People follow their team regionally. It's not like I'm watching the Brewers and other teams every single night. And some people just, they don't watch baseball. Like, that's not the fault of Shohei Otani. Like, that's just kind of the nature of the sport. And I think we always miss that. Yeah, it's the fault of Rod Manfred. If you want to blame anyone yeah. for, uh, if you want to blame anyone for baseball's, you know, coverage and ratings and marketing and everything. Look at my, look at Rod Manfred. Look what he's done to the game. Um, if you want to blame someone for it, so uh, I mean, Rod Manfred isn't all to blame as much as I would love to blame him, but he's to blame <laughs> for a, a decent amount of things. Yeah, I just I don't know. He seems out of touch with the sport. Every everybody who's in charge or talks about the sport, like they don't seem to like baseball. Like, I'll watch a Brewer game every night, and a couple of times a week I'll make an effort. There's a game on Wednesday night. I'll watch a couple of innings if it's the Mets and this, the Braves. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out because I, I like seeing all these other stars, even if it's not the entire game. I like, you know, checking in, which is why, like, I kind of joke. I've turned Sunday Night Baseball into a bit, but it's a great opportunity once a week, even if it's just for an hour, to see some other teams because we do that with basketball. We do that with football. We don't do it with baseball. Like, I, but we're so regionally focused on our teams. We love our teams. And yet I got to listen to a commissioner or a TV guy who just doesn't seem to like baseball. And yet I'm supposed to listen to him. It's frustrating. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Let's talk about Manfred because he came out today and said probably doing away with the seven inning doubleheaders, probably doing with the, the runner starting on second base. We're going to get rid of that probably. What do you do? You like that? Do you agree? Disagree? Manfred's, you know, making some announcements. How did you feel about them? Yeah, I think those are probably two of the better announcements that he's made in the last several years. I mean, that. The, the seven-inning doubleheaders has caused so many issues. I mean, you, you got guys throwing no-hitters in those games. And it's like, well, do these count? Do they not? Um, and, like, you know, I get that they're trying to protect pitchers' arms. Um, and especially coming out coming off of a shortened season last year, um, you know, guys kind of needing to, to build back up and you don't want to have those super long innings. Like, okay, I get it, but now it's kind of like, okay, it's, it's time to do away with these. Same thing with the with the runner on second base and extra innings. It's too gimmicky. It's something that you do when you're like you know ten, twelve years old yeah. um, to get games over with because you know the parents are tired of sitting there and, and the kids need a juice box. But 
Um, it, it's something that I really don't think belongs at, at the big league level. Yeah, it's clunky. I think it has the intended effect. Like, the doubleheader doesn't take oh, as yeah. long. Oh, yeah, it's serving yeah. the effect, but at the same time, it's also turning a lot of people off to it. It's like, oh, this is this is kind of dumb. Like, how, how'd this guy get out there? Like, he, yeah. like, he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be out there. If you, if you want to, like, do it after, like, you know, 12 or 14 or whatever innings, it's sure. like, okay, maybe that's one thing. But doing it right away in the 10th is just kind of like, come on. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. Just because the results are what you want, we've talked about this in the context of basketball and defense, just because the shot goes in the hoop doesn't mean the process was bad defensively, or it doesn't mean the offense was good. It means the ball went in the hoop. So you have to look further than the effect. The games are shorter. They're more efficient. But did we achieve that result in the way that we want? Why don't we finish by right. talking about umpiring? Because I think this last weekend, I think it was the worst series I've watched all season. I, I can't necessarily recall previous years, but like everything that's bad about umpiring came to the forefront. The balls and strikes with, with O'Neill were terrible on Friday and then rejecting Yelich and Votto and Council on Saturday. And then the review reared its ugly head. Bart Winkler, who was on the show about an hour ago, he tweeted this, and I, and I thought it was really appropriate. And this is how I'll set you up, and you can speak to umpiring however you want. It's, I, I think, messy that the same sport measures balls and strikes with an imaginary box. And it depends on the ump, depends on the day, depends on the hitter. And then that same sport goes to the, the millimeter on video review on, on that Willie Adamas play, for example. And I just think that's a huge contradiction. Like, baseball's got to figure it out, right? Or are we going to be umpire, human error, you know, bang, bang, play? Or are we really going to break this down by the millimeter and by the inch? Because, I, I don't know, it's it's a contradiction. I thought that highlighted kind of the frustration that was on display this weekend, that way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, you, you look at this and, you know, they're, they're trying out electronic strike zones. They're, they're currently testing in the in the Atlantic League right now. Um, and they're trying to, you know, per, you know, get it as as good as can be. Um, and, and yeah, the the balls and strikes for whatever reason just seem to be so bad, um, especially in that last series. Um, but yeah, when it, and when it comes to some of those like you know replays, like the one on second base there with Adamas, it's like replay was not instituted for that, you know, for for that kind of a play, you know, that that's for you know someone's like you know did he actually like you know make a conscious motion to to pull himself off the bag and and move whatever but i mean when you're sliding into a guy's foot who like you know who's blocking the bag Mm -hmm. and the back of his heel is is there he clearly beats the throw and he's simply adjusting his foot because he doesn't want to be spiking the the second baseman um and you know causing that guy to get injured you know and he's just adjusting his foot because it's there in the way you know that he's not out you know he beat the bay he beat the ball clearly on the play and, um, it, you know, the umpire is right there. He's looking right at it. Um, I feel like that's something that you really – like there's no real reason to to turn that over. That, that's not in the actual, like, spirit of the rule, and, and it's not in the spirit of what replay is supposed to be for. Um, but meanwhile, with other ones that seem a lot more obvious um, or intentional or whatever, yeah. MLB doesn't overturn it. it it's, the, it's the weirdest thing. It's a contradiction, and it's frustrating. And I love the human error part of umpiring, but it's it's seemingly reared its its obnoxious head more often it's than not. It's too much error at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's getting to be too much error. The pitchers are too good. Everything's too good. We're watching too closely, and it's, I don't know, at some point maybe something has to change. Well, dude, enjoy the All-Star game tonight. This is a week, now that the draft is done a little bit, that you can actually sit down and relax for a couple of nights. I know the Bucks play tomorrow, so we'll be stressing over that. But enjoy the week. Enjoy the week off, and I, I, let's hope for a great second half. Let's hope they come out of the gate against the Reds firing this weekend. 
yeah, absolutely. Should be a should be a pretty strong start, and you know, hopefully, we can get a Bucks to even things up here too. Yeah, heck yeah! Enjoy the week, Gasper. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Yeah, Take David care. Gasper reviewing the brew. D Gasper twenty four on Twitter. A thousand articles deep at reviewing the brew, and I do read a lot of them. They're excellent. They're awesome. And I learn a lot about Brewers baseball when I read Gasper. Read his stuff. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs> 